welcome one, welcome all to the greatest mixtape of them all. This is episode 102 of the NFC East mixtape. And as you can see, I am not RJ Ochoa, but I am joined by RJ Ochoa and Brandon Lee Gowton on today's episode. I am Rachel Prevet. I am actually the producer for NFC East mixtape. And the guys reached out to me and were like, hey, do you want to join us on a show? So I was like, why not? You know, it's Women's History Month. I was excited. I'm honored to be here, um, mixing things up, switching things up. But for all of you loyal listeners, before we even get started, you can listen to this podcast on all four of the NFC East podcast feed. You can listen to it on Blog and the Boys, um, Bleeding Green Nation, Hogs Haven, and also on Big Blue View. And you can also watch us on YouTube, and you can also listen to us wherever you stream your podcast. But what's up, guys? First and foremost, I have a question for both of you. Is this the first time you've had a female on your show? Um, I I guess. I think so. On this show? Uh, yeah, yeah, this show. NFC East Mixtape. I think so. Um, now, to be fair, uh, yes. Rachel, you are a part of all the episodes. So, like, you know, so you, you do produce the show. And oftentimes when Brandon and I talk about something random, when Rachelle sends me the file afterwards, she'll answer like the question. She'll be like, oh, well, my favorite ice cream flavor is this or whatever. So um, you are just as much a part of the show. But I do think this is the first time that a, a woman's voice has been heard. Um, can you confirm that, Brandon? One of the rare guests in general. I mean, we don't have a ton of guests on the yeah, pod. Um, we had Rick Devins before. Um, who else have we really had? We haven't had a ton of guests. Well, like, Ed, of Ed. Um, sure, but like yeah. I would, I almost include you know Ed and our Hogshaven friends Jamal and everyone like as part of the you know rotational members of the of the podcast. Um, but Rachelle is the silent member, uh, silent uh, typically uh, a trio here of the NFC's mixtape. So it's glad to finally, I think, have the listeners hear from Rachelle. I'm happy to be here. Like I said, it's an honor. And so we have a lot of stuff that we're going to get in today. I was tasked with coming up with the list of topics to discuss. And so I'm just going to jump right into it. I wanted to start with some big news for this week. We are recording on Tuesday. You guys hear this episode on Wednesday. And some of the big news that got released, I think this was on Monday, was a former Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr, being traded to the New Orleans Saints. And this is a 150 $50 million deal with $100 million in total guarantees. And so this is definitely relevant to the Philadelphia Eagles for sure, because we do have a uh, pick, a New Orleans Saints pick when it comes to the 2024 NFL draft. And so something to monitor, but also like just relevant to the NFC in, in whole. And so I wanted to get both of your thoughts on this signing and how this will impact the conference. Brandon, you go first. Uh, you've told us all year long that the uh, the Eagles hold New Orleans' draft capital, so I'm sure you're bummed because Derek Carr's amazing. I mean, he's clearly the best quarterback in the NFC South. Now, that is not saying anything because the other quarterbacks in the NFC South currently are like Kyle Trask and um, who do the Panthers have? Matt Corral, Jacob Eason, um, if you're looking at the Bucks. I already said Trask. Uh, you're looking at uh, Desmond Ritter Desmond and Ritter. Woodside for the Falcons. So, you know, obviously these teams are going to add more uh, at that position. Um, the Falcons have the number eight overall pick right now. Panthers at number nine could potentially trade up. So, um, you know, a, a trade is in play uh, to move up to get a quarterback. Also, maybe Lamar goes to the NFC South. I don't <laughs> I know Rochelle would not be thrilled to maybe see that happen. Um, but it's possible that there are upgrades to come in that division. But for now, 
I mean, just Derek Carr by far and away the best option. And also just thinking about what the Saints could realistically do this offseason because they didn't have the most cap space and because they didn't have a first round pick, their options were kind of relatively limited what they could do at quarterback. So this is probably like realistically one of the best things they could have done. Um, Carr's coming off uh, the second worst passer rating of his career. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's like he comes in and he's like an MVP candidate or anything, but I mean, he certainly gives them a really good chance to make the playoffs. Hmm. Um, I have always kind of liked Derek Carr, um, just kind of one of those dudes and he's played for the Raiders. And I, I, yeah, I think everybody loves the Raiders. Like unless you like are an AFC West team, um, the fraudulent AFC West mixtape lost, um, Derek Carr, by the way. Uh, but, um, but so this kind of felt right. Um, I mean, it just like made, it did make sense for everyone, for Carr, for the saints, for Dennis Allen, um, I guess for the NFC South. Now they have some, like some juice as far as, um, as, as having a quarterback as concerned, as you mentioned, um it's so cool i mean and i'm excited it does kind of kickstart the domino effect right like where if lamar does move if aaron Rodgers moves um so it's nice to see new orleans finally this does feel like new orleans finally taking a step forward in the post drew Brees world it just has felt like they've been treading water ever since um so i'm interested in that angle uh the saints don't play the cowboys or the eagles in 2023 but they do play the giants so that's important obviously the draft element is relevant as well um, Rachel, you asked about rankings and where, cause now Carr is an NFC quarterback. And obviously we care about the conference as a whole. Um, these are John Stolness's rankings. He tweeted them out on Monday. I was busy at jury duty and I saw this, um, you know, actually Rachel, I was going to say you're the second BG enter to appear on the mixtape and you beat John. So, oh, nice. um, good, <laughs> good for you. Uh, you beat John, uh, to this show, but so um, he said Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback on the NFC. It's a difficult thing to argue right now, whatever. Um, Dak Prescott, number two. Aaron Rodgers, number three. He has Derek Carr, number four. Is that fair? Does anybody have a hard take, hard level of disagreement there? So I'll tell you his whole top 10. Maybe that's that's helpful. Uh, So uh, one to 10, Hertz, Dak, Rodgers, Carr, Jared Goff, number five, Kirk Cousins, the disrespect at number six, Matthew Stafford at seven, Justin Fields at eight, Kyler Murray at nine, and Daniel Jones, who's still lobbying for a new deal, obviously, all the way down at 10. I think if you phrase it this way and Rachel, let me know if you disagree, like as how many quarterbacks are definitely better than Derek Carr? Like, how many are like head and shoulders above like no brainer. You take, you would take Hertz, you take Dak and then it kind of, and I'm, I'm assuming Rogers isn't going to be back in the NFC. So I don't, yeah. like, he's there now. I get that. But like, I'm just assuming he's going to be gone. There's talks this morning that he is having dialogue with the jets. And I, I just really don't think he's going to be back in the NFC. So I'm kind of putting him aside for a second. Um, and it's not that I necessarily think like Carr is by far and away the third best, but I think he's in that tier with Goff and with Cousins and those kind of quarterbacks. I don't disagree by any means. Looking at these, like you said, uh, Rodgers, I think that they could be interchangeable, like three through maybe five, I think could fall any order, but definitely Hurts and Dak are for sure top two. Um, I don't know how I feel about, I guess, is Daniel Jones number 10? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like, I think to Brandon's point, it depends how you phrase the question. Like, who's yeah. better? Who would who would you rather have? Like, those are two different questions to me. Like, I would honestly rather have even like Kyler Murray. Like, I don't, I'm not the biggest Kyler Murray fan, but like, there's a bit of a lotto ticket quality to him that you don't necessarily have with Daniel Jones. Now, maybe you're more conservative and you would rather have Daniel Jones. Like, again, that that's more of a like, pick your favorite flavor of ice cream sort of thing. Um, but Derek Carr is a high floor. I think he's he's a much higher floor than a lot of these players. 
I would personally have Kirk Cousins at number three, um, even if Aaron Rodgers does stay. So I think Derek Carr is right around there, number four. He's the best quarterback in his division, I mean, by far. And I think even if we start to factor in the rookies like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or Will Levis, like wherever they wind up, it does kind of feel like they're all going to wind up in the AFC, right? Like, you know, a lot of people think the Texans, the Colts coming away with quarterbacks. Who's the like NFC team that's, that's walking away with one of these first round guys? Maybe the Panthers, that kind of it. I mean, like, so this is kind of the list. I mean, barring a Lamar Jackson trade to the NFC, I think. Yeah, I hope we don't see that. <laughs> For sure. It's Go ahead, go ahead, Brian. It's hard to know what like we left the 49ers out here. It's hard to know what to make of it, right? right. <laughs> like Brock Buddy's hurt, but and it's weird because in theory, like their quarterback might not be like, you know, at the top of the list in these rankings, but they'll certainly probably somehow be a good team, uh, or at least decent, because that's what they do. Is even if the quarterback isn't great, they they still get good production there. And I think it's interesting. We, You guys kind of both already touched about like how this is like the first domino to fall when it comes to like the quarterback carousel. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how things like pan out. Like you said, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, who clearly feels some type of way and just trying to see where Aaron Rodgers, you know, lands in, in, in addition to that as well. So we're definitely going to be keeping our eyes out on this. But just knowing the fact that Carr is coming off of his worst season, like Brandon already mentioned, is just interesting. So to get the, um, deadline is going to be today at 4 p.m. Of course, this episode is going to come out on Wednesday. So we're going to be monitoring Twitter as we're recording today because things are going to happen. And so we're going to make sure we keep you guys updated. But for all the people who listen on the regular, you guys know that we go in a specific order based on <laughs> the team that finished first um, in the division and so on and so on. And so we have to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I really, really wanted to touch on the, I guess, also some big news from this week, you know, Denard Wilson and the Philadelphia Eagles you know, parting ways, uh, the former defensive back coach, defensive passing game coordinator. And he, like I said, they parted ways, but he did not, he wasn't out there by himself for long because this morning it was actually reported that the Baltimore Ravens are going to come up as their defensive backs coach. And so he's going to be working with players like Marlon Humphreys, Marcus Peters, Cal Hamilton. I think that was a good um, signing for the Baltimore Ravens because we know how much he deserved credit for the success that the Philadelphia Eagles uh, defensive backs had this past season. The fact that they were top ranked in the league when it came to um, defenses and also just the fact that they made it to the Super Bowl and uh, the number of interceptions that they had. And so uh, he has a good relationship with the players. There's a lot that you can say. And so I would feel some type of way if I were Denard Wilson because he was deserving. He was qualified for that position. But, you know, it didn't happen. Sean Desai got the uh, defensive coordinator position. And so I just wanted to get both of you guys' thoughts on that. You know, now he's with the Ravens. Uh, it was sad to see, but, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's kind of surprising from a standpoint of last year, you know, the Eagles had the confidence in Denard Wilson and were willing to kind of have him as their defensive coordinator had they lost Jonathan Gannon to one of the teams that was rumored to potentially hire him in the 2022 hiring cycle. Didn't happen. Um, so it just seemed like a logical thing that Wilson would be kind of the defensive coordinator in waiting had Gannon moved on, but clearly that wasn't the case. And um, there's some reporting out there from Marcus Hayes of the Inquirer that it wasn't necessarily that Wilson got passed over and he wanted to leave and it was to truly mutual as much as Wilson was okay with staying, but Sirianni kind of fired him basically, which is kind of, I think, crazy when you look at uh, the track record of what Denard Wilson brought to the table. And it's always tough to 
parse these assistant coach contributions. But I mean, you look at the fact that he had the number one pass defense and sure he, he had a lot of talented players to work with, but like, I think Denard Wilson, you can easily make the case that he maximized that position. I mean, Darius Slade did not have a good year in 2020. He bounced back in 2021 and 2022 made the pro bowl each of those years. That was with Denard Wilson. James Bradbury got cut by the giants. Didn't have as good of a year after that pro bowl year. Made it to second team All-Pro for the first time, I believe, in his career under Denard Wilson. Chauncey Garner-Johnson led the NFL in interceptions under Denard Wilson. Reed Blankenship, undrafted rookie free agent from Middle Tennessee State or wherever, (laughs) comes out of nowhere to make the team and play well, potentially be a future starter under Denard Wilson. Marcus Epps goes from being kind of a back-of-the-roster guy to a full-time starter under Denard Wilson. So I think there's just too many examples of success there um, to say like Denard Wilson doesn't deserve any credit for any of that. Uh, and that's why it's kind of a, an interesting departure for me um, at the combine. Sirianni talked about, you know, Sean Desai kind of having his own vision for the defense. And that includes kind of the coaching staff as well. He's going to want some of his own assistants. So I, I get that part of it. Um, but it just seems to me, if you have someone like Wilson who clearly uh, landed a job very quickly, as you pointed out, Rachel with the Ravens afterwards and being kind of a hot commodity, just kind of, Kind of weird that he's not there. Um, tough scene. Hate to see it, right? I'm super bummed. Um, I mean, to me, this this feels like like it was super obvious that um, you know that the Eagles were going to lose both their coordinators, right? Like, I feel like the first like week and a half following the Super Bowl loss was really chalk and really expected, and it was going to go that way, like regardless of what happened in that specific game. This is like, I think, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Brandon, but this is the first like whoa, we didn't budget for this. You know what I mean? Like this, this was not expected. Like we weren't planning this. Like now we actually have to like reach a little bit deeper into the barrel and kind of figure this out. And so um, I know we've talked a lot about like regression coming for the Eagles in different ways. And that'll happen positively in different ways as well. But like, this is the first, I think like real true total challenge. And especially if it is Sirianni led, right. And that's, you know, good for him. Like for whatever reason, if he feels like, you know, I think Sirianni's like earned his credibility. Um, but it, there's a long way to go for the Eagles at this point in time. Like, and and I think like you were going to see regression from the secondary in general, like it was stupid, like how awesome they were this past season. And so um, I think you're only making the job harder, uh, but maybe that's the goal, right. Is to, to like, you know, swing, you know, veer left when everyone's veering right at this point, like you have to do something a little bit unconventional to defy what you're facing. You're, you're trying to become a lot of people think this was the best Eagles team ever assembled. So how do you, how do you defy that? How do you be even better? I mean, and again, I'm not saying he's just like putting on a tinfoil hat to try to, you know, figure something out that nobody else can. But um, this this feels like a legitimate and true loss that nobody was expecting. But again, that's just my perception from far away. Yeah. And I'm you know, all you can do is, you know, wish him luck. Uh, Brandon always talks about vibe check and how this past season it was good vibes for the Philadelphia Eagles, specifically with Denard Wilson. And we know all the players who have, you know, just spoke positively about him including Darius Slay and so I gotta segue into this <laughs> right <laughs> and so um a lot of people have been throwing out the idea of seeing Matt Patricia come to Philadelphia and so should we even be entertaining this conversation like what does that mean for Darius Slay we know he ha- doesn't have a strong relationship he's been very vocal about not being a fan of Matt Tr- Patricia so this is specifically for BLG I mean, just as recently as like leading up to the Super Bowl week, I don't know why, uh, maybe it was a Patriots Boston-based writer, writer, like asking Darius Slay about Matt Patricia still and like Slay still, you know, letting his feelings be known that he did not really like that dude. Um, And, you know, it came down to a respect thing. 
And it's just, it's a really, it, it, the timing of it has to be weird, right? Because as you said, Rachel, like the fact that Darius Slay would come out and kind of endorse uh, Denard Wilson as a defensive coordinator. And then not only does he get passed over and kind of um, fired or whatever, uh, mutually parted ways with in, in their phrasing. Uh, and then you also potentially hire Matt Patricia. Now I will say, you know, that report came out from a Boston based reporter. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's like uh trying to make Matt Patricia look like a, a, a desirable candidate. So that, like he creating a market for him or what? Um, it's just very strange to me. It doesn't really fit the pattern. I think of mostly good moves and, and sensible, logical moves the Eagles have made for a while now. And also, like you said, Rachel, from a vibes perspective, how is that a good vibe? Like I, I get that Patricia, like, look, if he's your linebackers coach, does it really probably matter a ton? I don't think it probably does. Oh. Goodness. Well, I mean, like, I don't think like the linebacker coach is going to make if, or break the right. season. But I'm not. Well, why I'm not why trying add to, someone who would be a bad vibe? I'm not trying to interrupt, but Rachel, I'll actually ask you a question. Is it not true that if the Cowboys were connected to Matt Patricia, that BLG would be roasting them and Woo-hoo! would be saying like, "This? Oh, is I don't like it. Di- I'm not saying like, it's a good move. I'm just saying it's not like no. It's but not there's the a difference end of between the world. it's not a good move and like, well, how consequential is your linebackers coach? Really? Like that's what we've like wadded this down to. Like this is a loser move. Like if if the Eagles hire Matt Patricia, this is big loser energy. I agree. Nothing about it. Like not even just because of Darius Slay. Like independent of the Darius Slay thing, it is big massive loser energy but like factoring in the Darius Slay thing like you're now creating drama with one of your best players and one of your most vocal leaders like why would you do that why why would you press buttons that way I mean it would be a stupid awful terrible idea I'm rooting for it to happen with all my heart well he also hasn't even coached linebackers since like 2010 like like why but he he has a pencil in his ear he has a pencil in his ear like Sirianni like your favorite thing I just like how is this your best candidate I guess is my question like why why him that's what I'm saying. I feel like I don't see it happening. I, I just don't see it happening. I don't think Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman, they know what they have going on. So unless you guys are trying to stir some drama, like that makes no sense. I don't see it happening. So it's kind of like, what's the point of entertaining the thought of it? But I had to bring it up because it's relevant. Sure. Um, and Good so, you, gonna, yes, yes. We're going to keep on moving to the Dallas Cowboys on Monday. The Cowboys placed the franchise tag on running back Tony Pollard. And so, that franchise tag is 10.091 million. And so they have until July 17th, I think it is, in, in order to decide if they're going to make it like a long term or he has to play on that franchise uh, tag. And so I think the biggest thing, the biggest angle that I'm looking at is like how this is going to affect Zeke. And so, of course, this conversation like starter is definitely for RJ because this is your your lane. Uh, well, first off, I want to brag about myself. Um, because, and I think you'll both get this. Um, it was pretty obvious that the Cowboys were going to tag Tony Pollard. So we had done a lot of pre-work at BTB, had the, the article pre-written, had the video ready to go, had like, you know, TikToks and all this stuff ready. And I had just finished the pre-write stuff to get ready for jury duty. Um, and then it happened and it was so satisfying to like fire off all the pre-work, like to be like, we prepped for this. We were like to not be caught off guard by this. Like you've both been there. Like when something crazy happens, like when Matt Patricia is signed as the Eagles linebackers coach, you'll be in that kind of mix. Um, so it was just a really cool feeling. But um, it depends on what you believe, I think, uh, or what you're willing to believe. If you believe logic and reason, it suggests that the Cowboys <laughs> are going to the two uh, ask of Zeke Jerry Jones. to take. Right. It's literally logic and reason or Jerry Jones. Like those are the two pillars involved here. Um I, the logic and reason suggest that the Cowboys are moving forward with Tony Pard in 2023 
I'm not overly pumped about the tag. I'm certainly not upset. There are some Cowboys fans. I think we've gone too far. I've said this before with the like running backs don't matter thing. The Cowboys have to add explosive players to their offense this offseason. That is the most important thing. And if they don't have Tony Parr, they have one fewer explosive player than they already have, which is not near enough. Um, he's projected to be ready for training camp from a health perspective. He fractured his fibula in the playoff loss to San Francisco. So all that checks out. I'm fine if they want to ride the tag out. They don't want to get the long-term deal done by July 17th. I'm super cool with that. I hope this quells the idea of Bijan Robinson at 26. That would be so dumb. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, but as it relates to Zeke, Jerry did say at the combine on the Jerry bus on Friday night, oh, you know, we still see Zeke as a big part of this team as a, you know, we think we can make the money work. No, no. I, I mean, like, I don't mean to come out here and, and disparage anybody. Like, I don't, I don't want to root against anybody. Uh, but I just, it, it would, it seems impossible to me that Zeke would be a part of this team in 2023. I just, I can't see that happening. I tweeted this out on um on monday night uh when i got done with jury duty and all this stuff uh and it was all uh i'm actually looking for this so i'm buying myself some time here it was dallas cowboys running back since 2000 to average at least three yards after contact per rush since 2000 the top three seasons belong to tony pollard each of the last three years i mean like i don't know why you would ever want to feed anybody but tony pollard the ball if you're handing the ball off I don't buy Mike McCarthy's comments from last week about like wanting to run the ball more. Mm. I think that's posturing. Oh, okay. I, I think, well, I mean, like, I think he wants to limit turning the ball over. I, I buy that. But if, if you look at literally a decade and a half's worth of Mike McCarthy as a play caller in Green Bay, he is obsessed with throwing the football. Tony Pard can help you in that sense. We've seen Tony Pard be an element in the passing game. It's just not. It's just not time anymore for Zeke to be a part of this. And so I think we're a week and a half maybe away from Zeke being officially cut. Maybe they um, – people have been kind of chatting about this. The Cowboys did drag Dez out a little bit. People were really upset that they did that to him. Uh, they cut him like the week before the NFL draft in 2018, and they really limited his options because obviously everybody had signed different players. Um, so there are people wondering how the Cowboys would handle Zeke. He did play tough with them. He held out. Everybody remembers that, obviously, going to Cabo. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think this is Tony Pollard's backfield in 2023. Uh, I think I've been clear on the record before that like the way the Cowboys handled their running back situation would kind of speak to me in terms of the competency of their organization right now. And I thought the move was to let Pollard hit free to be willing to bring him back. But I just think because of the volume of running backs in free agency, and there are a lot, there are a lot of like quality guys hitting the market. Not to mention, as well, the draft having seemingly a lot of good options as well. I just thought they could kind of play this out to where they could get Pollard back uh, on a more reasonable number. So I don't think it's the worst case scenario that you got him back on the tag because it's probably a little bit more than you had to pay. But I still think that would have been the most optimal move of resources as opposed to dedicating you know, $10 million all in one year to this one position. Um the Zeke thing, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's not about the money to me. Like, that's not, I think people are getting lost in that a little bit. Uh, it's about the usage. It's about if he's going to be on the team, he's going to have some kind of role, and that's opportunity costs. And those are touches that should be going to Pollard or whoever really else instead. Um, so I, I just think like bringing him back at all is not a success, even if it's at a lower rate, even if it's at a pay cut. That he just has to be gone. Zeke has to be gone. Um, the fact that you get Pollard back for one year, one more year, I think is okay. I don't think it was like the, an A plus kind of move. And also, this franchise tag affects tight end Dalton Schultz as well. And so, can you touch on that a little bit, RJ? Um, 
it's funny you bring this up today. Um, the Cowboys were never going to tag Schultz in 2023 because it would be the second year in a row. So it was going to be, uh, was it 120% more um, than the first tag? So it would have been $13 million uh, for him. And that was just never going to happen. Um, they had discovered two great tight ends last year, two rookies. Jake Ferguson was a fourth round pick. Peyton Hendershaw was an undrafted free agent. I mentioned uh, the way the Cowboys cut Dez. That was, like I said, the week before the NFL draft in 2018. Like right after Dez was cut, Jason Witten retired for the first time. Um, and like four days after that, they drafted to Dalton Schultz in the fourth round and Dalton Schultz only even entered relevance when Blake Jarwin tore his ACL in the season opener in 2020 and Blake Jarwin was an undrafted free agent so the Cowboys ever since Jason Witten have discovered tight ends in these like undrafted free agent fourth round whatever manners uh, but today the day we're recording Tuesday both Todd McShay and Dane Brugler mocked Dalton Kincaid the Cowboys at 26 overall the Utah tight end and so everybody has really kind of uh, accepted that Dalton Schultz is gone Rachel. Um, if you look at his liked tweets, if you're not blocked, he um, he has blocked a lot of people. Um, he is uh, pretty displeased with the way that negotiations have gone. A lot of people think he might follow Kellen Moore to the Chargers. That would be interesting, to say the least. Uh, but it definitely feels like he'll be playing elsewhere. I just have a hard time. I Actually, right before we started recording, wrote this huge article about why it would be such a terrible idea to draft a tight end in the first round. This draft class is super deep at tight end. There's not a huge precedent for tight ends you know, contributing right away. I hate the phrase win now, but this is an important season for the Cowboys. And obviously, a lot of it depends on the way the board falls and all that sort of stuff. But like Dalton Kincaid is a fine player, but just I feel like there would be many, many, many better ways to move forward at 26 overall. Uh, but yeah, Dalton Schultz isn't coming back. I just, I can't, there's, it's, it's not happening. The, I think the more important um, sort of ramification is Donovan Wilson is now set to hit free agency. Uh, but a lot of people think the Cowboys might wind up bringing him back. He was an important part, obviously, of their back end last year. And we actually talked a lot about the tight end class and just the impact that we've seen some of these tight ends uh, have on the league, like with the Kansas city chiefs, like with the Baltimore Ravens, like with the Falcons, we touched on this on Monday football Monday. So lovely listeners out there, if you want to tune into that episode, you can definitely do that, but we're going to take a really, really quick break for the podcast listeners. And when we come back, we're going to get into the Washington commanders and uh, the New York giants. We are back. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode. We are going to keep it pushing. Of course, we got to touch on the New York Giants. I'm pretty sure that's the order. Yeah, that's the order that we're going in. And so wow, I had I had yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Um, but right now, the conversation that's going on is that both quarterback Daniel Jones and running back Saquon Barkley are in need of new deals. And so uh, both or I guess candidates for the franchise tag. And so I wanted to ask both of you guys, if you were general manager, Joe Shane, how would you be approaching this? Well, we are getting some uh, chatter here as we head towards the deadline. Uh, this is from Albert Breer. It was nine minutes ago. I see the Giants and Daniel Jones reps are continuing discussions in New Jersey and a long-term deal may come down to the wire. Um, team started to stand its ground uh we'll see if they find a middle ground okay um i really think they want to get this done i'd really i mean shane has said he doesn't want to tag jones so i think that i think that's the goal they want to get this done they want to tag saquon just to get him back one more year as opposed to having to tag jones and then figuring out what to do with saquon so um i think they're going to get it done i think the jones and the giants are going to come to an agreement here 
and uh, might be a little bit more than the Giants want to pay. It seems like they don't want to be in that forty million number, but which is, by the way, is like top eight quarterback money. But I think that's just kind of what they're going to have to do and the bed they've made. And I think they're going to end up tagging Saquon. Um, I think it's so dumb. That's I think it's actually dumb that people still don't understand the way the quarterback market works. Oh, Daniel Jones is not as good of a quarterback as so-and-so. Who cares? Welcome to the world of supply and demand. He he has something that they need desperately. And, you know, actually, by the time this goes out, we'll know. So I think we all, right. like, so Brandon, your guess is there's a new long-term deal in place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to guess that he's been tagged. What is wow. your guess, Rachel? You're saying by 4 p.m.? Yeah, so like when everyone's listening to this on Wednesday, do you think he's tagged or he has a new deal? Mm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say he's tagged. Wow, yeah. there you go. It's it's because like teams can like teams want to do like well you're not as good as Patrick Mahomes. Who cares? Like can you can you sign Patrick Mahomes right now? No. Can you who who can you sign? Who are you gonna sign? New York Giants. You can't you can't even sign Geno Smith, right? Like Geno got the extension as well. Like who's the best non Daniel Jones quarterback that's available on the open market right now? Who like I I mean like what, Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're the Giants, is that what you're gonna do? Like you're gonna move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo if you don't get this done with Daniel Jones? And so Daniel Jones has every reason in the world to say I want 45 million a year. Why? Like why should Daniel Jones settle and say, oh you know what? I'm not as good as so and so. Like I'm just I'm just gonna take whatever. Like for this reason like and if i was saquon too i'd be like dude get your bag like you worked for this like they're rooting for each other obviously i do think we have maybe underscored how important this is for both the eagles and the cowboys because obviously jalen hurts is eligible for an extension for the first time this offseason Dak prescott is likely going to get an extension and, and have a rework deal to you know alleviate some salary cap stuff um and so the market is going to only continue to rise we started this episode talking about Derek carr Do y'all remember that Derek Carr was at one point in time the highest paid quarterback in NFL history at at just $25 million a year? Like that was (laughs) what, like 2017, 2018, something like that. I mean, like it is going like it is never you're never going to get a bargain ever. You are never going to run into the quarterback who says, you know what, Rachel, I'm cool. I'll take less because I just feel like it. That will never, ever happen. Yeah, that's not really what happens at all. Uh, And even a quarterback who might be a bargain now, like Jared Goff, because you look at like, you know, what he kind of produced relative to what he's making. And part of that was because of the trade in there. Um, And, you know, the Rams are, or sorry, the Lions are on the hook for like all the guaranteed money that the Rams were. Um, They're probably going to adjust that. And even with Mahomes, who signed this big deal that kind of ended up being really, I think, team friendly in the end because of the length of it and everything. I feel like. He's underpaid. Yes, but I feel like. I could be wrong. I feel like an adjustment is probably coming for him this offseason because he just won another Super Bowl. They're probably going to tweak some things a little bit. The point is, like, I think there isn't a yeah, there isn't a true bargain at the quarterback position. So, like, I mean, just to use Dak as an example, because that's brought up all the time. Do either of you know how much Dak makes a year? Like this, this gets like made up to be like, oh my god, Dak makes forty million dollars yeah, a year yeah. as it currently stands, and everybody, oh, he's tied with Matthew Stafford technically. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, six quarterbacks ahead of them. So, like. And that was just two years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you feel like, oh, my gosh, like, we're going to be trapped. No, it literally, it's like driving a car off the lot. It literally starts to depreciate because everybody else is starting to come in. We're not even at the point yet where, like I said, Jalen Hurts is going to get his big-time extension. Joe Burrow, Burrow is eligible for an Herbert. extension. Justin Herbert's eligible for an extension. Like, Lamar. the price is all, like, so if you're the Giants, yeah, I would, I would hope for their sake they get it done. Like, they have to. And, like, you cannot be worried about, like, well, what happens if we don't do it? 
the the Eagles and the Rams are examples. Like, pay them. And then if it doesn't work out, get out of it. Be creative. Like, don't be afraid of this stuff. And it is it's exciting for him because, I mean, look what he just did this past season. I mean, we don't know how he's going to do this upcoming season, but he made some strides. And so, I mean, if I were the Giants, I definitely would get it done with him because why not? Like, he did good this season. I think it does have the potential to be an albatross, which I, again, I agree with. If you're, if you're, here's the thing, if you're a smart organization, you shouldn't fear. If you think you're a smart organization, and, and I think a lot of teams do think they're smart, which that isn't true for everyone, um, then you should have confidence. Yes, we can navigate this in a worst case scenario. I do think there is that downside there with Daniel Jones um, because like, I don't think he's like proven it beyond the shadow of a doubt that, you know, he's worth this elite money um, and it could age poorly. Uh, but I think the reality is it's not going to be a disaster contract as much as it kind of just might be a Kirk Cousins kind of middling middle of the road uh, problem that you're you're kind of just stuck in there that you're uh, you know he's fine but he's not great. I'm just my last thing here. Like even if it is Kirk Cousins middle of the road or what I don't what did you say was it middle of the road? The middle, Vikings yeah. signed Kirk Cousins in 2018. Okay. So again, like if you just want to play that game, since 2018, the Vikings eight wins, ten wins, seven wins, eight wins, thirteen wins. They've been a playoff team twice. They won their first playoff game with Kirk Cousins against the New Orleans Saints. Like, have they won a Super Bowl? No. Have they been to a conference championship? No. But like, that's not a failure. Like he he came in and helped you be mm. competitive. Like, so if Daniel Jones helps you be competitive, you're winning at least eight games every single season. You've got multiple playoff appearances. He already has a playoff appearance over and a win over these exact Vikings. Like. Like that, that is like people assign that to be a failure because they live in these extremes. Like, well, they didn't win a Super Bowl. They're a bunch of losers. Like, no, man. I mean, if, if you're knocking at, at, at the door every single year, like that's worth paying for in my mind. That was all I had for the Giants. Did either of you guys want to touch on anything? I know they made some like coaching changes, but other than that, like, did you guys want to touch on anything else related to the Giants? My only thing is we started a, uh, a Madden franchise series on our YouTube channel and I beat the Giants last week. So <laughs> shout out to me. <laughs> Nice, 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 nice. But we're going to keep it moving. Of course, now we're going to go to the Washington Commanders. I thought this was hilarious. I saw this, so I had to include it in today's conversation. And so at the XFL, like the D.C. Defenders XFL game at Audi Field this past weekend, there was an erupt that, you know, happened amongst the fans and they were all like chanting pretty much like F Dan Snyder. And so we already know like where this organization is. They are def definitely in need of ownership because he sucks. Um, and so it's time for him to sell the team, but it was just crazy to see. I don't know if all the listeners have seen the videos. Um, those were going around the beer snake uh, videos were going around and stuff. And so uh, I just thought that was hilarious. And so I just wanted to get both of your thoughts on that. I mean, this is time for the commanders. It's kind of cool that fans are like that, you know, um, organized, right? Like at, even at other events, like I don't know if they're doing that, like at Wizards games or something or Capitals games, um, but it makes sense. Um, I mean, like what, like, I feel like, you know, like these are different things, but like Brandon doesn't like Kirk Cousins as, as an example, right? But like there is something that Brandon can say that is a redeeming quality for Kirk Cousins, right? Like Kirk Cousins is average to above average at this. What like... What is there for Dan Snyder? Like, like, what is the thing? Like, what, what is, what is the thing that they have going on that like you can be like at least you know like no, again not not nothing. apples to apples but like like if you know people are pissed the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in thirty years or whatever like and I'm not bragging about what I'm about to say but it's like 
well, they're the most valuable franchise in the world, right? Like they're the most valuable sports team in the world. They're competitive, whatever. Like they have something that you can at least say is a positive thing. What what has Dan Snyder overseen? And it feels like everybody connected to him goes down with the ship. Uh, where were the like other minority investors that he like dragged out in public last week? Like who who is in his inner circle that has not been indicted or implicated or like thrown into the mud with all of this? The stadium falls apart. The uniforms and the team name and everything's bad. Like everything about what they do, the reveal of it all. They're you know the Sean Taylor. Like we we could sit here for like hours and hours and hours. Like what what do they have? The best thing about the Commanders is their fans and how they have banded together against the franchise. Uh, yeah, we've we. I think the way we phrase it a lot is like something to hang your hat on, and there's just nothing there. Uh, it does seem, apparently, according to reports, that the finalists to buy the commanders are Bezos and Josh Harris, who also owns the Sixers, mm. uh, as we've talked about here on the podcast before. Um, does that do you think that's weird, Rachel? Because Brandon is like torn up about this, I'm not torn um, up about it. I just think it's a weird vibe. Do you think it's weird that the owner of the Sixers could own? Yeah. You do think it, you do think it's weird? Why? He doesn't own the Eagles. I know, but it's still like the city. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though they're two different sports, I get it. But at the same time, like, I feel like especially because Philly, the fan base is so passionate. Mm-hmm. I would feel some type of way. Like the commanders you know, out of all teams, because most of the um 76er fans, I'm assuming, are Eagles fans. And so. Isn't that kind of like a torn situation, you know? They also play literally right across from each other. You know what I mean? It's not like some of these other cities where the venues are separate, which I think creates its own kind of atmosphere and you have that separation. Like, they're so t- everything is so tied into together. It's the only sports city in America that has, like, all four major teams, like, that close to each other like they do. So I think there is something to be said for that. Um, but that being said, I would rather Josh Harris buy the commanders than Bezos because again, because I think that is Bezos is the thing that scares me because of just the like crazy spending power that he would bring to that team. Um, not to say that like you know Josh Harris wouldn't also be able to spend more and probably certainly be an upgrade over Snyder, but I just think the degree that Bezos could be compared to Harris or anyone else that just that kind of scares me. So that's what I'm rooting against. Uh, but I think it would be the best thing for the commanders. And I did see that uh, this is in regards to the stadium. I know like the stadium is definitely trash. I live in Maryland and I know I'm not. <laughs> <been on. laughs> but uh, I saw the report from front office sports and they were saying that there's a possibility of returning to RFK, mm. which is like the old stadium, which they are like, in the process of, I guess, trying to tear down. I know they removed like all the seats in the stadium, and so there's a possibility that they're, that they're going to go back because that's technically in DC. That mm-hmm. is in DC. So that's something to uh, keep an eye out on. In the NFL owners meeting is also at the end of March, like March 26. And so, in regards to everything that's happening with Dan Snyder, I'm sure you guys are going to continue to touch on this in the upcoming episodes of the NFC East mixtape. The last thing I wanted to touch on just for fun was last week they released the different um, NFL PA report card grades. And so based off of those grades, um, the Philadelphia Eagles were ranked number 14 overall. The Cowboys finished fifth. The Giants finished eighth. And uh, the Commanders finished dead last. And so uh, were you guys surprised by these? Of course, they were a bit for the listeners. The grades were based off of eight different categories. It was like tra- treatment of families, weight room, strength coaches, food service, nutrition, training room, training staff, locker room, and team travel. So were you surprised by where each of these teams fell? 
I thought it was really cool um, to get that level of transparency um, on and like on the detail things. Like, I'm glad it wasn't just like a general, you know, grade or something like it was cool to see the, you know, kind of tiny little things Um, as just an example. You know, most Cowboys players uh, live in Dallas or live in in Frisco during the offseason and work out at the team facility. And so like as Cowboys fans, we're just kind of like, you you know, you assume that's par for the course. You see a lot of these guys, they, you know, in the offseason, they move to wherever, like L.A. or whatever, and they, they train at different places. And I've always like wondered, like, well, why wouldn't they like stay there? Right. Like at least like, you know, dudes who have like long term contracts or whatever, like why would you uproot yourself or whatever? And now it makes sense. Right. Like it makes sense if like the workout facility is too small or whatever, like the Cowboys, you know, obviously spare no expense for stuff like that. Um, so that was very cool to see. Very weird to see the Cowboys not necessarily work well with uh, players' families or mm. have great uh, travel. So that was that was it was kind of random how some of these things were like exemplary and some of these things were on the other end of the spectrum. Obviously, it was super shocked that the Commanders were terrible at everything. Um, but I was kind of shocked that the Eagles were a little bit you know down. I felt like the Giants had like a really respectable grade. Like they were just kind of B all the way through. Like they're just pretty solid. Like it seems like a, a pretty pleasant experience to play for the Giants. Yeah, I think some of those categories that you mentioned, uh, no one really graded out too well. <laughs> and so I think that's yeah. sort, of, sort of that is just like the the standard or the, the expectation. Um, but I think it's great. I mean, shout out to the Players Union for doing something that I think can be really helpful and, and um, you know, transparent while also being, I think, like fair. It's not just like, it doesn't come off as just like, like, oh, we need everything and like trying to be harsh. It's just like an objective kind of, it's a poll. It's here it is. Here's the comparison. Um, so I think that was really a great move by them to put it out there. And, uh, yeah, I think the Eagles graded lower than you would expect in some areas. And I think, um, I will give them some of the benefit of the doubt in the time being in terms of like, Hey, learn from this. Like this is that you have been kind of put on notice. Now let's see if that improves down the road. And if it does, then great. And that's fair. And if it doesn't, if it continues to be a problem, then it's like, this is an area that probably needs to be addressed. Um, I do think it was interesting how the Eagles got such high grades in the training staff and everything. And maybe that speaks to some kind of like something being there with how they were able to stay healthier. The fact that, um, you know, the players are feeling fresh and they're liking that is a good sign maybe. Um, And the other thing is that I think when it comes to maybe the facilities, people would be surprised that they were a little bit lower than expected. And I think part of that's just because like the Novacare complex was new once upon a time and the link was new once upon a time, but like, it's not. It's not anymore. Like it's been a while, um, and that's not to say they need a, a complete overhaul. Um, but maybe it is time to kind of consider like the future and thinking about these things. And and I want to give credit to the Cowboys here. Um, I mean, like that's I've said that consistently in the past. That's the one thing I think Jerry Jones gets right. He gets all the off the field stuff, like the you know having the best press box spread. Like he gets all those kind of things because that's the easy stuff to get right. That just takes money. It doesn't take like knowing football necessarily. That just takes like hey, like spend money and do the easy things well. And that, by contrast, that's something Snyder just gets so wrong. I would say, too, I mean, I think people make too big of a deal of stuff like this. Like, oh, there's no state income tax. Like, he's definitely going to consider, like, whatever. And, like, it's like, dude, I mean, like, obviously that's a factor. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like the end-all, be-all, whatever. Um, but, like, it does make a difference, right? Like, if you go to work and you like the place you're working, like, it makes sense, like, wanting to get out of a certain situation. Sure. I remember when Cole Beasley left the Cowboys in free agency and went to the Bills. Um, I don't have the Bills grades off the top of my head right here, but he he was like, these facilities are incredible. And every Cowboys fan was like, what? Like every, every Cowboys fan was like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, like, and not, not only the idea that like Buffalo could have these like world-class facilities, but that like anything could be better than Dallas. Um, but obviously Buffalo um, is, is spoken of highly. Minnesota has a really kind of similar situation to the star. 
Um, and to your point, Brandon, I mean, the Cowboys, they literally have a freaking campus like that. That is what it is like. There's a hospital there, like there's a hotel there. And that's, you know, when when they have their 30 visits or whatever, like they literally put players up in their hotel that is connected to everything. And so, yeah, I mean, it makes everything cool. I would be interested in seeing you know players grade like um like quality of life like maybe they you know maybe a, an eagle thinks it's cool uh, to have all the major sports teams be in the same area and like i don't know like i like i'm like the name that comes to mind is bryce harper i know it's not a, a good example but like how he became an eagles fan after moving to Philly. like i wonder what like that kind of effect is um but i did think my last thought on the survey it was cool that there was some legitimate accountability um, and the example I thought of was the Cardinals and how they had to like pay for their meals. Like it was very cool oh, yeah. to see that information be public and have the have like Michael Bidwell have to answer to that. It's like, why are you making sure. your players pay for lunch? Sure. Dude, I mean, like that's a that's a ridiculous thing to happen if you're an NFL team. I agree. I loved it. I hope that they continue to do it um, because, like you said, it does give us fans like insight. I know, like BLG, you get to go to the game, so you kind of get to see what these facilities and just a, a different side you get to see an inside look but so that other fans like we we have no idea so i hope they continue to do this it was really nice to see um and so that's all i had did you guys have any more topics uh before we wrap things up i think we need something random like we need we need like a, a random cherry on top like what is like you have to have like a random question for us Rachel. it's your episode that's my only my only request is like a random food life tv something related question topic a random topic. I feel like you guys talk about food all the time. Like you guys, <laughs> wow. Oh, it's fun because everybody can relate. Um, I'm just trying to think of something you haven't talked touched on because you touch on so many different things. Um, I suck at this kind of stuff. I'm okay, Rachel, what is your favorite dessert? Like you go to a, you're at a nice restaurant. What are you What are you hoping they have on the menu? Dessert specifically. Dessert. I like, I feel like a nice cheesecake is a yes, good dessert. That great answer. Not past. Okay. You going fork or spoon? Ooh, spoon. Wow. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. What? No berries. I don't want like the berries and the stuff that, cause you know how you can get like a strawberry Agreed. cheesecake, mm -hmm. I don't like that kind of stuff. I kind of just want either plain or like vanilla bean, like whatever the flavor is. Don't add the extra stuff. Yeah, I don't Perfect like fruit answer. chunks in my kind of desserts for the most part not a big apple pie guy like i can't i don't like i just don't like fruit chunk. i don't like that kind of thing for the most part um there are exceptions to the rule but definitely a cheesecake for me as well i'd probably go fork i gotta say but i don't i don't i'm not really whatever i'm not really married to that it's fine uh but yes i want anything with like like graham crackery crust like if there's like a crunchy kind of crust i'm cool with whatever it is uh my actual last question i was talking about this with my wife um, we were talking about almonds and stuff and she brought up like pecans and then she brought up hazelnuts. Have, have either of you ever seen a hazelnut? Like, no, like, does it exist or, or is it just no, like a flavor, like for coffee? Yeah. It's just right? a flavor for coffee. <laughs> flavor. She, she said it's real. She, she was like, people eat hazelnuts and I was well, like, obviously I, it's that's real, impossible. but it's just not. I was it like, I was like, nobody eats hazelnuts. Nobody I've eats never. hazelnuts in real life. Mm. Never. So. They kind of look like acorns, okay. I feel like, but a little bit different. They do. I mean, I always hear people talk about the spread, like the Nutella, isn't that right? Like right. Yes. Yes. Um, the, yeah. So many people eat that. Yeah. But like nobody actually, nobody's like cracking the hazelnuts and eating them. That's my point. Mm. Not that I know of. Mm. So yeah. Okay. That's all I have to say. So thank you for letting me come on the show. This was a lot of fun. You rock, Rachelle. Rachelle on Twitter at Rachelle Monique. Everybody follow her and tweet her your thoughts 
on forks or spoons. <laughs> nice. With the hashtag what, Brandon? Hashtag. I'm really choking here. I can't think of it. <laughs> um, hashtag mix it up mixtape. Ooh.